Management that is destructively critical when mistakes are made kills initiative, and it's essential that we have many people with initiative if we're going to continue to grow. Hello and welcome to another edition of the AEM Thinking Forward podcast, advancing the equipment manufacturing industry. I'm Dusty Weiss, AEM's professional nerd, frequent flyer, and podcast host. And in this episode, failure is an option. We take a look at the lessons that heavy equipment manufacturers can learn from 3M, one of the world leaders in innovation and, a lot of people don't know this, a company that got its start as a failed mining operation. Some of the management principles that turned 3M into a $32 billion a year operation, plus a look behind the scenes at the 3M Innovation Center, which is not normally open to the public. That's the kind of attitude and access we strive to bring you here on the AEM Thinking Forward podcast, however. Each month, we explore a new subject area to help keep your business on the cutting edge of the equipment manufacturing industry. So if you haven't yet, subscribe to our feed so you're updated every time we put out a new podcast, and tell a coworker if you think that they'll get something out of it too. If you want to stay up on top of the day-to-day news in the industry, also make sure to check out our twice-weekly e-newsletter, The Industry Advisor. Some recent advisor headlines include Michelin agreeing to buy Camso, ag equipment sales are up, led by combines, and U.S. dairy producers, their worries about the Trump tariffs. Check out AEM.org news for more on these and other stories. Now, I started to tell you about our trip to the 3M Innovation Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. They don't let you take pictures in the 3M Innovation Center. No cameras allowed, but there's nothing in the rules about recording a podcast. So when we had our most recent Thinking Forward event this summer, I was there to capture all the lessons that our members learned throughout the day. And with $32 billion in annual revenue and 90,000 employees worldwide, well, they do things a little bit differently at 3M. And they shared some tips that AEM members could use to encourage innovation in their own businesses. The most valuable takeaway here for a manufacturer, I think, is a credo that the folks at 3M refer to as the McKnight Principles. So the McKnight Principles really are about our corporate culture, especially at the management level that William McKnight stated for us in uh, first laid out in 1948. And he said, as our business grows, it becomes increasingly necessary to delegate responsibility and to encourage men and women to exercise their initiative. This requires considerable tolerance those men and women to whom we delegate authority and responsibility, if they're good people, are going to want to do their jobs in their own way. Mistakes will be made, but if a person is essentially right, the mistakes he or she makes are not as serious in the long run as the mistakes management will make if it undertakes to tell those in authority exactly how they must do their jobs. Management that is destructively critical when mistakes are made kills initiative. And it's essential that we have many people with initiative if we're going to continue to grow. That's Jason Campagna, the 3M Innovation Center manager, reading from a big plaque they've hung on the wall. The plaque hangs next to the desk of former 3M President William McKnight. And McKnight wrote those words in 1948 after leading the company through the Great Depression thanks to revenue from the sale of pioneering new inventions. Things like scotch tape, which was invented in defiance of a direct order from William McKnight, as Campania explains. We hired this outgoing guy. He was a banjo player in the dance hall. His name was Dick Drew. And uh, we hired him to sell sandpaper for us. He was doing a good job. He uh, really targeted this up-and-coming industry in the United States called the automobile industry. Um, And they were his biggest customer. Things were going very well. And then all of a sudden, the automobile 
manufacturer's customers started asking for two colors of paint on the same car. That was a problem for Henry Ford and his assembly line. It wasn't that they couldn't get two different colors. It's that they had a really hard time making the fine dividing line between the colors. So Dick Drew started thinking about what he had. He had sandpaper, backings, resins, and rocks. How can I use those things to solve the problem of my biggest customer? Sandpaper without rocks is really what he was thinking. Makes masking tape. But we didn't know how to make it at the time. He needed a $1,000 piece of equipment to prove this out. He could only sign off on a $100 purchase. So he goes to management, says, I need $1,000 to buy this uh, piece of equipment. Part of the management structure was McKnight. Puts his bookkeeper's hat on, $1,000, 1923, pays for an engineer's salary for six months. And this is for a product we don't even make. So as a bookkeeper, what's your response? There's no way you can have $1,000. Well, Dick Drew could sign off on a $100 purchase, and undeterred, he went and signed 10 purchases, got his $1,000 piece of equipment. Not something I'd recommend, but that was his choice. And he is now in this building using this piece of equipment. It is some type of a coder, but he was the motor for it. So he'd have to grab onto the paper and walk backwards and pull it underneath this coating knife to get the even coating of adhesive. Well, William McKnight liked to walk around, and he was into this building, and Dick Drews takes about five steps back and steps on somebody's foot. Guess who's? It's William McKnight, who knows exactly what's going on. And it's fully within his right to get rid of Dick Drew on the spot, get rid of this coder, and go back to making sandpaper. But he let it go. 18 months later, we're selling masking tape. McKnight still doesn't believe these principles at that time, in my mind. Something sparks a little bit, but no reason to think about it. So let's fast forward to late 30s. After the Great Depression, McKnight is now CEO of 3M. He looks back at this company and goes, you know, we didn't lay off one person during the entire Great Depression. What did we do right? And as he looked back, he found out that it's because we were selling tapes, masking tape and scotch tape, and people were using those products to make the things they had last longer, putting tape around the corner of a box. And that let us grow through the entire Great Depression. If he would have fired Dick Drew in 1923, he might not have a company in 1936. So McKnight based his leadership principles on the notion that employees should be encouraged to be creative, to try new things, and that they shouldn't be punished just for failing. His directive to, as he said, hire good people and leave them alone, is a recognition that failure is a tool for learning and innovation, and that even if 99% of your attempts fall short, the 1% of successes can pay massive dividends. And they have for 3M. Products that you see everywhere, like post-it notes, reflective traffic signs, and Scotchgard, drive billions in sales. And each is the result of a pioneering employee who was given a long leash by management. Those McKnight principles govern the corporate culture at 3M and drive some practices that might seem strange to outsiders. Employees get to use 15% of their time on whatever projects they want. High-level researchers and product developers are compensated the same as managers, and it's not the management but the employees who select the recipients of the company's highest honors. At the 3M Innovation Center, they make a point of showcasing the great lengths to which they go to tear down the corporate silos that stand in the way of innovation. And on the first stop of our AEM Thinking Forward tour, we were led into a dark theater with a domed IMAX-style overhead movie screen. If you believe every question has an answer, and every challenge a solution, then you have come to the right place. 
the place where we have assembled pure sciences and future-focused technologies as the building blocks for endless solutions. We learned about some of 3M's latest breakthroughs, and we learned how each of these isn't necessarily a technological breakthrough in its own right, but rather the intersection point between two or more of 3M's core technologies. In a nod to the science enthusiasts in the house, these cortex are laid out on a doppelganger version of the periodic table. Abrasives, adhesives, advanced materials. And as each technology was read off, a spotlight shone down from the ceiling, illuminating a kiosk somewhere in the museum that demonstrated all the potential uses for that particular technology. The whole exercise, according to Jason Campagna, is intended to get people thinking about asking questions, not just developing products. In the real periodic table, an individual element is very powerful. Think of something like hydrogen. But not nearly as powerful as being able to combine hydrogen and oxygen together to make the molecule water. In the same way, having a technology is very powerful but not nearly as powerful as being able to combine multiple technologies together to meet needs or solve problems. So you are looking at 3M's toolbox. And at each kiosk, an array of products that result when different tools from the toolbox are combined, like when nanotechnology meets light management. We sell more of this than anything else every day. Looks like aluminum foil, right? This is over 400 layers of transparent plastic. Each one of those layers we can control to a thickness of 40 carbon atoms. But when we stack those layers in a certain way, we've created the most reflective mirror ever made. Your bathroom mirror, that reflects about half the light that hits it back. This film reflects about 99.5% of the light that hits it. So if I take this and roll this into a small tube, there's light entering this tube from all around the room. It's coming straight down in. It's coming from off the far walls, just getting in the top. Watch the top of this tube when I close the bottom of the tube. He squeezes closed one end of the tube, and the other end lights up like a flashlight. Uh, because any light that goes in bounces around until it comes back out. So this film is used in almost every cell phone, tablet, and laptop in the world. So if you put this behind the display, you can take 80% of the light sources out. Now your battery life goes up three to four times. So we're selling over a million dollars a day of this. As Jason showed off some of these technological marvels, a lot of the AEM members on the tour seem to be getting a real kick out of it, including Adam Fry from Poclane Hydraulics in Racine, Wisconsin. Your eyes got as big as a kid on Christmas. Oh, that's cool. And that's if you're feeling like me right now, you're feeling like Charlie wandering into the chocolate factory yes. for the first time. <laughs> What's the coolest thing that you've seen here so far? To be honest, I don't think it's any of the products themselves. I think it's the, the realization that they're taking all these different things that don't seem to make sense together, and they're finding a way to put them together. Like th the product you're holding in your hands, they said was a reject. And they said that they're selling more of this than the, the primary use that they were targeting. I think that's, that's fascinating. Or how they combine a, a, an adhesive or an abrasive or a fiber and an adhesive. Now, that's a real challenge for organizations today is to, to get those two people talking together and not buried in bureaucracy or procedure or process or projects, but to get them talking, to come up with a solution and then take that to market. And I think that's just amazing. So this thing that you're holding in your hand right now, it's just a, a glass vial uh, full of what he said were little tiny glass bubbles. But what's it doing in your hand right now? Well, when you shake it up, it almost acts like a liquid and... It, it's really neat. It looks like milk in a jar. But it starts off kind of looking like sand almost. Yeah. That's just... <laughs> that's so cool. That's 
fascinating. That's really neat. You, you kind of see why they don't want people taking pictures in here. Oh, yeah. So as you're sort of walking around this, and it's essentially like a museum where each kiosk is a display on a particular type of technology, what are you looking for that you can take back to Racine with you? I like to think about really innovative ways of doing things. I mean, one of their primary product lines are adhesives. You know, many products in the fluid power industry today are bolted together. That's a very challenging process to, to, to master correctly. Um, what if you could glue parts together? Do it correctly, not uh, in, in a very industrially feasible way. Um, what if you could employ some of these carbon fibers to take weight out of a component to maybe make it smaller, maybe fit in a customer's application better? Um, taking a few millimeters off of a product could be the difference between having a solution and not even being considered. Chad Etheridge from Lionbridge LLC in Indianapolis had his wheels turning too. But you can see how one idea can cross over multiple industries and, and get reapplied as needed. Well, we're a service provider company, so we don't make the products, but what we can do is, is leverage all this knowledge with our customers when they run into a problem or get them tied together so they can develop a better product for themselves. And that is what 3M is going for, says Jason Campagna. He says manufacturers can better serve their customers if they incorporate a little bit of the scientific method into their business models. Well, at the end of the day, what that room is supposed to inspire in people is the desire to at least ask 3M the question of, can you help? Um, 3M is highly dependent on problem statements coming from our customer base. If we're solving a problem that our customer has, we don't worry as much about, is there a market for this when we're done at the end of the day? Because we know there is, it's being requested. I think that a lot of the best science starts out that way, not with a profit margin or a business plan, but with just a question. Somebody asking a question and really bright minds sitting down and putting their heads together and saying, how can we do this in a way that perhaps nobody expected? Right. 3M is a true science and technology company, and that's a great uh, aspiration. But unless you're willing to connect that science and technology to life every day, then you're just a research organization. And finding ways to encourage those connections is another absolutely critical lesson that manufacturers can take away from the 3M story. 3M's innovation culture starts with a simple premise. Anybody who's working on a project is encouraged to ask anybody else in the company a question. And nobody is too high up the totem pole to bother. You don't have to have the answer. I don't know is acceptable. But if you don't know or aren't the expert, just make the suggestion for two people you'd ask the same question to. And there's a really good chance you're going to find them in three to five phone calls or emails. As we were coming in, uh, we walked past the award wall and uh, you talked about how if you want to get to know a company you should look at what they celebrate. Can I get you to expound on those thoughts? Sure there's uh, a lot of different awards at 3M based on individual disciplines so you'll have top marketing, top technical, top sales, engineering, administration. The commonality between the awards at 3M is that every single one of them is peer nominated which means that you actually have to be taking your expertise and connecting it with the people around you to help them solve their problems. And at that point is when you get to be seen as that key connector, somebody deserving of one of these awards within the company. I think that that's really unique because you have a lot of companies that say, okay, well, we're gonna do away with silos. We want everybody collaborating across departments, but it's an easy thing to say and not a very easy thing to execute. Is that how 3M has been able to sort of 
fall away from that typical pattern is by celebrating the people who become these hubs of expertise? Yeah, that's one of the big ways to do it. If you want to change any organization's culture, you change the reward structure. If people see that there's no extra value in staying in a silo, they probably won't do it. They're going to go to the place that they need to to create the most value for themselves and for the company. So that's the reason why we say peer-to-peer recognition is much stronger than management uh, peer recognition. Terry Kulama is 3M's global technical director of automotive and aerospace solutions and a senior manager at the company. And secondly, the entire process is is basically managed by the employees themselves. Management is not there. So for example, there is a yearly uh, jury to basically decide on the final winners. There is no management representative at all. We are not part of the jury to basically vote on the final uh, winners. We are not there. Hire good people and leave them alone. That's basically the the, the bottom line. Mm -hmm. That is is so powerful. It's a very very short statement, but it's exactly what we do every day, over and over again. In the course of managing AEM's Thinking Forward initiative, I wind up in contact with a lot of engineers, a lot of chief innovators at companies, a lot of people whose job it is to have visions and pursue them. And one of the great frustrations that I hear them express to me is that they don't have equal status to really assert their vision with the management, with the people that keep the lights on and set the direction of the company. And 3M, you explained, has come up with a really interesting way to solve that problem called the dual ladder system. How does the dual ladder system work? Uh, The dual ladder system works really, really well because in, in some companies, in fact, you have a much brighter opportunity, in fact, in maybe in management. But the problem that we see is you can have a bright product developer or researcher turning into a bad manager. So that's a lose-lose situation for the the individual, but also for the company. And we say there is no need in order to have a nice career, a successful career in the company. It is perfectly okay if you're a product developer to stay at the side of the ladder and really move on from what we call a T1, which is kind of an entry-level scale, to a T7, which is director-level scale, because we need to have great people that are advancing science in the company, right? And there is a very clear expectation from those folks. At the other side is, after a while, you go into product development and say, yeah, I really feel much more engaged, I feel much better. If I can lead teams and really kind of coach people and, 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 and really drive people's careers, that's a perfect fit at the management scale. And again, management goes from entry-level all the way up to, to director level. And between the different steps on the dual ladder, the compensation and the benefits is exactly the same. On, the, on more kind of the technical part of the ladder, you have responsible of projects and advancing science and technology. On the other side, you have a responsibility for people and for teams. But in terms of reward, it's exactly the same thing. We don't want to. We don't want to have people that are great in more technology advancement becoming bad managers, or we don't want to have great managers becoming bad product developers. But perhaps the most transformative takeaway for AEM members that are thinking Ford event with 3M was what they call their 15% rule, and that one goes all the way back to that story about Dick Drew, the inventor of Scotch tape, William McKnight, his boss, and the lessons McKnight learned from Dick Drew's ingenuity. 3M spokesman Tim Kinski explains. The easiest 
anecdote comes from what we call our McKnight principles. Uh, and, and what that is, one of our, our founding CEOs had a principle that any employee can use 15% of their time to work on anything that they choose. So if they've got an idea, they can pursue it. Uh, that's probably easier in the, the R&D circles than it is in other areas of business, but we have business models that actually have resulted from what we call a 15% time. That's a bold move to declare something like that on the part of a CEO to take what is on paper one person and 40 man hours a week and say 15% of that is not necessarily going to produce me a profit this week. Yeah, well there's, there's billions of dollars of success that we could point to from that, from that process. So the 15% culture... Here's Global Technical Director Terry Kulama again. The reason why I believe in this, it's your freedom to do it, it's your idea, and you have the flexibility to bring that idea to something concrete in the shape you can present it to management to ask for their support and endorsement. And by the way, a lot of the high-impact products in this company over the last 100 years are one way or another a result of the 15% culture. And essentially what that is on the part of management is it's turning to your employees and saying, you have permission to fail. Yeah. Yeah, you can exactly. try something different, and if it doesn't result in an immediate profit yeah. for us, that's okay. Yes. And failure leads to a learning and a learning leads to something better and at the end of the day will, will lead to a success. That is the way we look at things. And in a lot of cases, one, the 1% of everything you do that leads to success is the result of 99% of your failures. And even that, it's still a good balance because that 1% can change the world, right? So there it is in a nutshell. The lessons that manufacturers can learn from 3M to institute a culture of innovation in their own companies. Ask questions. Tear down organizational silos. Don't force high-performing employees to become managers in order to move up. Change your culture by changing how employees are recognized, empower your innovators to try new things, and give them permission to fail as long as they fail forward. To sort of sum up AEM's Thinking Forward event at 3M, I talked with Rich Goldsbury. He's the North American president for Bobcat Dusan and chair of the AEM board of directors. And he was impressed and a little taken aback by the culture at 3M. They actually have a cultural approach to allowing people to innovate, uh, and they call it 15% of their time, that's tough to do. Because you've, you've got a lot of people that are gonna say, well, I need you to make money here, right? Uh, most organizations can't do that. Um, but they have a long history of that, and it's embedded within their culture. So a lot of this and what you see in these areas are all culturally based. Speaking as the leader of a major corporation, how difficult is it to look at one person, somebody who produces 40 man hours a week, mm -hmm. and say, all right, 15% of that, I'm not expecting an immediate return on my investment. Um, it all depends on how rigorous um, your innovation culture really is and embedded in the organization. It's quite simple for me to, uh, to give an email and say, okay, everyone gets 15% to do this kind of stuff, and it doesn't work, right? Um, so you want impactful things. And again, as I pointed out earlier, I, I believe this doesn't happen overnight. This is like a 50-year, you know, 20-year journey where people really come to accept it. They, they understand it and they know how to apply it. Um, we're, we're tasked with, you know, uh, making a return and it's hard. <laughs>
you know, um, it's hard because you you have constraints. You know, we, we're going to design a new machine, for example. Um, and for me to give up 15% of somebody's time means I got to have 15% more engineers or whatever, right? Um, so that's very challenging organizationally uh, to set aside that time. So I, like I said, I don't think it happens overnight. I think it's a, you know, a long journey uh, to get your culture right, and it has to be uh, well understood and adopted broadly. This seems like a really great point to pivot in our conversation then to AEM and its Thinking Forward initiative. Mm -hmm. As the chair of the AEM board that sets the direction and sets the tone, what about the Thinking Forward initiative made you believe that it's worth the investment that perhaps we might not see a return right away, wow. but what do you expect the benefit of that to be in a decade or 20 wow. years? We had, uh, several years ago, we had a um, strategy session for AEM as a board and as uh, several staff members uh, discussed where we think we need to focus AEM's efforts in. And there were several areas. I mean, some are more uh, tactical in nature, everywhere from uh, uh, more political focus areas and states and things like that. But other areas are uh, more technology. We, with Con Expo, this last Con Expo, we took a focus of saying that um, shows need to evolve and uh, we need to adopt and adapt the show in, in such a way where more people can approach it. Um, and so we created some technology pavilion um, within that frame. It was very Con well, Expo, uh, Con Expo Tech Experience, very well received. Um, but we, we recognize that it just can't be an every three year event. It needs to be something that happens on a, a more regular basis, uh, which is uh, where the outgrowth of the, these, these events that we're having here today um, uh, thinking forward events, which kind of have evolved from that, I think, you know, in some ways. Um, so I, I, we really think that's important. Uh, we have a, um, AEM has a tremendous legacy. Um, certainly um, we have dues and we have, um, uh, we make money with Con Expo and, and shows like that. Um, but finding the right things to invest as, a, as an industry are really important to us. So we've got to think about those things and where we can, where we can drive uh, the most value and, and pushing our industry forward. And ultimately, it seems that the approach is a rising tide lifts all boats with the Thinking Forward initiative, that when you get our members focused on what the future of the industry is, it's going to be good for all to yeah, but, but understand, you know, and your, your point is exactly right, but understand a little bit of this is a... Um, it's tough to see right away. I mean, we're, we're throwing little pebbles into the, into the lake and, and you're gonna see some ripples, but how many you see, no one knows, right? So, you know, you've gotta, um, it's just like that 15% thing we talked about earlier, 15% of your time. You've gotta be trusting in that these, these events, uh, that time, that 15% are gonna provide value longer term. It's tough to see it tomorrow it maybe is a year from now or two years from now, right? So, Looking around through the 3M Innovation Center here, we've got our members spread out at 40 or so kiosks all over, and mm -hmm. uh, a few of them, I've got to say, have been skipping from kiosk to kiosk like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right. Would you say that 
they're uh, getting their value out of the organization right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I really do. I think this is a uh, this is our approach to touch more not only member companies but prospective member companies that uh, would benefit by being part of AEM. Um, so this is this is a way of showing value in a real way. So if you want to make sure that you're getting the greatest value from your AEM membership, you really ought to make plans to come to one of these Thinking Forward events. There are just four of them left this year in different cities all over the country. I'm going to be at all but one of them myself. The next one is on August 23rd. I'm really excited for our event in San Francisco. We're going to be going into the technological deep end, so to speak, talking about artificial intelligence and generative design at Autodesk's Pier 9 Workshop. There will be a tour. There will be expert speakers who can explain how these technologies can apply to your business. Plus, it's San Francisco in the summertime. Don't miss this one. Make sure to register ahead of time. Space is limited. Head over to aem.org think to learn more and sign up. There's also a list of our other events there on September 18th in Iowa, October 16th in Indiana, and November 6th in North Carolina. Need another great way to stay on top of industry trends? Follow AEM on LinkedIn. Just search up the Association of Equipment Manufacturers to see the news and events that we put up there. And if you found this podcast useful, make sure you don't miss an episode. Open up your podcasting app right now and subscribe to our updates. Leave a comment or a rating. That all helps our podcast get into the earbuds of other business leaders like you. If you've got something to say to me direct, shoot me an email at podcast at aem.org. Thanks to our AEM team for putting together another great Thinking Forward event at 3M. It was a blast and everybody learned tons. The AEM Thinking Forward podcast is brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Little Glass Men does the music. And for AEM, thanks for listening. I'm Dusty Weiss.